Welcome to the Badass Direct Sales Mastery Podcast with your direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger. Badass Direct Sales Mastery is a podcast for rock star direct sales moms who are determined to make their business kick ass. Jenny will share her knowledge of effective sales and recruiting techniques, tips to get what you want from your business, and will interview direct sales professionals and leaders from various companies. The interviews will give insight to how these rock stars got to where they are and where they plan to grow in the future. And now, the direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger. Welcome back to another episode of Badass Direct Sales Mastery. I'm your host, your direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger, helping you whip your business into shape. And I have someone with me today who came to me by referral by one of our previous guests. If you guys go back and listen to Joe Grifford's episode, uh, you'll get to hear me and my friend Joe talk about some really great, important stuff in the world of dementia caregiving. And he introduced me to his friend, Joanna, Joanna Bloor. And so let me tell you a little bit about Joanna and you guys are totally going to get why she's here in just a little bit. Joanna Bloor is a potentialist who has transformed thousands of lives worldwide. A former Silicon Valley executive, TED speaker and trusted advisor to leaders worldwide. She's been described as a glittering buzzsaw that cuts through all the workplace BS. Did y'all hear that? You know why she's here now. (laughs) Instead of platitudes and possibilities, Joanna rolls up her sleeves and jumps in with future-focused leadership to create experiences that bring their teams into the future. Joanna, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Always, always excited to meet friends of friends. They're the best kind. Right. And it always helps when you've got that thing where they're just like, when the person who introduces you, because we got introduced via email, he was like, you've got to meet Joanna because this. And Joanna, you need to be Jenny because of this. And we right off the bat, like even through email, I was like, yes. I went and checked out her LinkedIn profile. I was reading your, your information about your upcoming book, which we will get to in just a moment. Yes, we are going to get along famously, as they so wonderfully say. <laughs> so, so Joanna, tell us, how'd you get to where you are today? Let's get the in a nutshell version, because I just did the, the three sentence bio, you know, but let's dig slightly deeper. Oh, 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 so many stories I could go back to. But let me get to you to the one that got me on the path that I'm on today. So as you mentioned in my intro, I'm a former Silicon Valley technologist. I was really lucky early in my career to get on the startup bandwagon super early and so got to help build companies like Ticketmaster and Cars.com and OpenTable and Pandora, got to meet lots of cool musicians and all sorts of movie stuff. So really got to be part of this crazy world where no one had any idea what anybody was doing 90% of the time because we were all making it up as we went along. And about gosh, it's nearly 10 years ago, I was wrapping up my last, I guess, working for somebody else job at Pandora and had an amazing run there. And I'm going to brag about myself for just a second because, you know, my team had gone from about 30 to 400 in three years. So had real scale and growth within the team. And then the revenues, which I was kind of responsible for making sure it all worked, went from about 100 million to a billion in that same period of time. So like we had 
literally had that kind of rocket ship moment that everybody talks about. And when I left, my CEO sat down, my former CEO sat down with me and he was like, Joanna, you have been running around like a maniac for years now. Would you please stop moving for just a second and actually figure out what you want to do next? Which was really fantastic advice, which I had a really hard time with because I was like, what are you talking about? I have to do a thing. I have to do a thing. I have to do a thing. I have to do a thing because I'm fairly energetic. And so, but I did take his advice and I sat down and I was like, well, like, what do I want to do here? Like, what is the thing that is rattling around my brain? And what I realized very quickly is I didn't actually want to go back and do the things I'd been doing before because I knew that if I tried to recreate the magic I just had, I would always be disappointed. And so I went out and basically went on a startup experimentation strategy for myself. And in that, found out through pure serendipity, talking to people, playing with ideas, what have you, that um, not only was I obsessed about what I think is the coolest product on the planet, which is human time, but also how we talked about it, how we buy and sell it, how we think about it, how we share it is the most atrocious process on the pla- also on the planet. Like, <laughs> we do a better job s- selling pens to each other than we do selling each other. Ooh. It's, it's like you sit here and say, like, and you were talking earlier in this conversation about how we met and how Joe is our connective tissue and how he introduced us. That was all intentional because you think about the core of collaboration for anyone. Well, actually, that's not fair. Let me put a sidebar. The only people you do not do this with are your own children. Or maybe if you're a super auntie and uncle, it's with your sisters and brother's kids, because I'm pretty obsessed with mine. You choose to collaborate with somebody based on your story in your head about who they will be for you in the future. Will future shenanigans with this person be fun? Will future shenanigans with this person solve the problem I have? Will future shenanigans with this person manifest the ambition I have? Will future shenanigans with this person fill in the blank? Whatever it is. And we make the, like, when you first heard about me, you made up a story in your head about who I was and what I was all about. And because of that story, you were like, we need to get on a show together. I did exactly the same thing. I did exactly the same thing. And I sit here and I say, okay, when, it, when you think about, again, the coolest product on the planet, which is human time, we don't ever talk about that story in the future and your tale of potential. Um, we talk about our past. Like, I, you know, when you introduce yourself, most people say, like, if you're in a networking event or something, and you say, oh, what do you do? You say, oh, I'm X title at X company. Like, oh, good God. Super boring. And yeah, I, as I, coming back to the, the, when did I start? I found out that not only that when I talk to people, do I have a very magical gift of being able to not only recognize potential, but put language around it so other people can recognize it, because it is a silent conversation. But also, I am 
so frustrated and so annoyed with the way that we buy and sell time from each other. It's demoralizing. It's depressing. It's unfair. It's all of the bad words. Mm-hmm. And actually, when you start buying and selling time in a better way, then absolutely everything is awesome. And it's magic. And I get to tell people why they're awesome for a living, which is super fun. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> so the story I told in myself in my head when Joe introduced us was, this is going to be awesome. And what I did not recognize was how freaking awesome this is going to be just already in the first few minutes my mind there's like 12 things in there we could talk about yeah yeah right my mind is completely blown i love this because yes you are introduced in your bio as a potentialist like that's the title of yourself is potentialist which who the hell calls themselves that so i just think that's great but the the fact that the the conversation is because this opens up so much in the world of direct sales and network marketing and MLM, because oftentimes people are telling themselves the stories of the the future potential, the future story that they're saying about the person they're stalking, for lack of a better word on social media, is this person could be a good customer. And so I'm going to ask for money from them. I'm going to ask them to buy from me or this is a potentially good team member for me. And so I'm going to ask them to start up, like join my team and, and start a business or, you know, it, like they just have these, you know, stories that they tell themselves in their heads that are all about that. And by golly, no wonder they have trouble selling and recruiting. It's not, it's not that. It, the story, what you almost have to do this out of body experience where you have to step into the other person's shoes and literally ask the question like what's in it for them like Mm. why do they care and not what can i offer but what what could how can i help them see how to ask for me oh that's so hot you know it's not about (laughs) do they like my thing it's do they want my thing and it's it absolutely makes you step out. And so, you know, what I find fascinating, I could talk about this until Christmas very easily. What I find fascinating and difficult for everybody on this, like, I know we both flippantly say, oh, you just do this. And then everyone's like, I don't know how to do that. That's really hard. It is really hard because potential is infinitely easier to recognize when it looks and sounds like you. Mm. Infinitely. Yes. Right? Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. And. And that also makes it incredibly scary, too, because they're so Oof. afraid to to scare them off right. from being a customer or a team member or both or, you know, or whatever all else happens. Right. right. Oh, my God. This is so freaking good already. OK, you guys like star this episode. Come back and listen to it again, because you are your minds are going to be blown every time you listen to it because you're going to hear something different. So, so you have become this potentialist and now you have written a book yep. that is all about this potential and also there's tales of leadership and everything. So let's, let's dig into let's that, a little, in that a little bit. Yeah. 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 Um, so yes, I was given the feedback a couple of years ago that they were like, Joanna, your brain just goes a little further than people can kind of get. And you need to really help people see the path that you're on, because what 
you know, when I work with teams or individuals around this whole, like, how do you learn how to teach people your tale of potential, kind of heads explode a tiny bit. And so as I was thinking about, like, how do I help people understand this thing that is so abundantly clear to me? I really started to think about, like, how do I tell real world examples? How do I help people see themselves? Similarly, how do I help them see their tale of potential and what I'm trying to teach here? And what I kept on running into was I would give them an example of a COO of a bank that I had worked with or another person who was, who was in the oil and gas pipeline industry or somebody else who was in technology. I'd have like all of these different people and people would go, well, yeah, that looks right for them, but that's not me. And what I realized is what I needed people to understand was this idea that we all make up a story in our head about who people are and that maybe the story we're making up because we layer our own experiences and life and exposure against that, we might be wrong about it. And so I sat around and thought, like, who has a story that is so universal that everyone would be like, oh, I know that story. And then bonus, what is a story that is truly universally that I think everybody kind of has wrong? Because, you know, why not write a book and tell everybody, oh, you've been wrong about thing, something most of your life. And <laughs> I know, because, you know, no big deal, right? So I wrote a story about Cinderella. And I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to your audience for just a second. I'm yeah. talking to you. But I want to talk to your audience for a second. And I sure. sit here and I go, I want you to think about, male or female, doesn't matter, whatever you call yourself, think about... What is the tale of potential that you would tell about Cinderella? Like if I said to you, would you hire, Cin would you hire Cinderella? Would you? Hmm. Oh, now I'm, I'm asking you. Oh. Let's do that. Would you hire Cinderella? Yeah, she was a, she was a hard worker. She had, she was willing to do the work and, you know, she, even though she wasn't getting paid very much. So imagine, imagine how, what she'd look like if she was actually getting paid something. In Absolutely. my industry. Okay. And would you say that she showed leadership qualities or was she just really good at getting stuff done? She was good at getting stuff done. Okay. Do you find her inspiring or somebody who you would want to model yourself after? I like the princess side. <laughs> <laughs> well, who doesn't love a lovely dress, right? Right, right, right. Um, so what I'm hearing is a probably not, right? Yeah. Because... You know, up until we all kind of get out of our, our princess phase in life, for most of us, I think I'm still in my princess phase sometimes, we've all been told that the story of Cinderella is this person who needed a fairy godmother to change her life and to be rescued by a prince. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. That's a story we've been told. And uh, what I wrote in the book was actually a completely different story. And I said, well, gosh... Actually, if you pull the story apart, there's a very different story here. And let me give you some examples. I'm giving you a little preview into the book. So let's talk about the story before anybody shows up. So Cinderella is basically the COO of the Tremaine household. Mm. Like nobody else, nobody's doing any work. No. At least not the stepmother and the stepsisters aren't. Everybody else is. And you talk about leadership and getting people to work with you and collaborate with you. 
Like, not only was Cinderella a great COO of the household, like, she actually kept the whole thing running when there were limited resources and their revenue streams were not strong and all of this sort of stuff. But she also got an enormous amount of characters, hello, the birds, the mice, et cetera, et cetera, to collaborate with her for cheese and maybe birdseed, right? Sure. Now, am I saying that Cinderella was good at getting people to work for nothing? Well, yeah, kind of. But she got them to work for joy, which is mm -hmm. what leadership is. Like she understood how to tap into why the birds and the mice and the other, I mean, depending on the version of Cinderella that you listen right. to, why the other characters would want to help her. And they chose to work with her because of her and not because she gave them the fancy title, not because she paid them anything, not because of all of the carrot and stick things. They worked with her because they were like, she's awesome to work with. And she worked her butt off at the same time. So that's the first thing. Second of all, I sit here and go, not only was she good at operations, as an example, kind of making the whole machine work, she was also fantastic in sales and marketing. Let me explain what I mean by this. In this world of the Tremaine household, the stepsisters were her customers. Mm. And googly moogly, what a, an amazing job she did with dealing with some completely irrational high maintenance customers. Like, oh my God. Like, I would have quit my job by this point, I'm just saying. And then, like... Take it to a next level, like actually in this Tremaine household, the stepmother was the CEO and was truly one of the most, like we've all sadly worked for that person who is not focused and completely irrational and has completely demanding expectations and you just have to make it work. Cinderella not only made all of that happy, but she did it with a smile. Mm -hmm. And I sit here and I go like, that alone makes me go, holy moly, what an amazing human being. Yeah. What an amazing human being. And this is all before the fairy godmother showed up and said, oh, we need to like magic you and all of this sort of stuff. Right. And so I, I see. I, I, go, I got to stop for just a second there because uh -huh. now all of a sudden, like, you know, I really kind of am inspired by Cinderella now. Right. Oh, here's my favorite. I'm going to totally tease the book because this is literally my favorite thing. And and I will tell you, when I talk about the glass slipper in the book, I actually talk a lot more about how, you know, when I talk about this idea of buying and selling time, like it blows my mind that we use something as terrible as job descriptions and resumes to facilitate the transaction. I mean, good God, a can of beans does a better job of explaining the potential of what's in the can. A resume, <laughs> terrible, terrible. Cinderella, however, takes it to a whole new level. This is literally my favorite part of it. Well, I call myself a modern fairy godmother, so I love the fairy godmother stuff. But literally the moment that Cinderella, like the bell is tolling and she's booking it to get out of the palace because she understands she needs to get the project done on time. Again, leadership trait. Um, but she's at that moment. And as she's zooming down the stairs, one of her shoes comes off. And I want to point out, this is not some sad little flip flop she got from like Walmart Target. Yeah. This is a Louboutin, Jimmy Choo level shoe. Like, yeah. I don't know about you, but if my shoe came off as I was hauling down a flight of stairs and it was a Louboutin, I'd be grabbing that thing because I'd be like, hell no, I am not leaving that thing behind. Right. She, however, in a split second, realizes a couple of things. One, she realizes that if she waits to grab the shoe and then go, she will miss her deadline. So she understands the difference between on time and perfect. Perfect mm. enough. Perfect enough. 
And, and this is where it really gets good, she understood that she was leaving the party early. This again comes back to sales marketing. And her customer, aka the prince, who was booking it behind her at great speed, needed to remember why she was uniquely awesome. Because he, by the way, had a couple of thousand other people he could have chosen from, aka her competitors, back in the ballroom. So she left the shoe on purpose to help him remember why she was uniquely awesome. Bonus points the next morning when the prince needed to go to his decision makers, aka mom and dad, to say, ooh, have found the perfect one and apparently teeny tiny feet are a thing in fairy tale land. Who knew? And he showed the shoe to them and was like, I found the one. Aren't you happy? I now need to go close this deal. And he literally used the shoe to find her. Like the glass slipper was the really the equivalent of the first example of corporate swag in the world. <laughs> and she did it in a second. She did it in a second. Yeah. It's also why I think like the prince is under people undersell the prince too. I actually think he was smarter than people put out. But I see here and I go, in the matter of seconds. Cinderella had the ability to make that really strategic and thoughtful decision about a future state that needed to happen. And I just sit here and I go, I would hire somebody like that all day. Like, what forethought, what thinking? And I sit here and I say, like, for us, there's lessons throughout all of this. Like, so as an example, and in the book, I don't just talk about Cinderella and all of the characters. And I will tell you that the stepmother also gets treatment because I think she is also misunderstood. In every chapter where I talk about the glass slipper or don't be a get shit done girl or whatever it is I'm talking about, I then mm -hmm. come into the real world and I go, hey, okay, this is what this means in the real world. So in the real world version of the glass slipper moment, are you making your potential easy to recognize? Because in the fairy tale world, it's teeny tiny feet. So what is that? And are you making it, more importantly, easy to remember? Because every decision made about you and your opportunities is made in a room that you are not in. And you actively teach people what to say in that room for you. And if you are not teaching people, they are making it up. So at, if you have any dreams that you want to have come true, which in Cinderella's case was to spread goodness and kindness at scale, which winning. I think she totally nailed that goal. Yeah. If you have an ambition, how do you make it easy for the people who can say yes to your ambition to say yes? Mm. And it's, you are never there when they choose to. Never. Dating, marriage, relationships, work, customers, everybody makes a decision in a room that you're not in about whether they're going to say yes to the future you or not. Holy shnikes. <laughs> like it, this, <clears throat> I don't know about you guys. <laughs> I'm going to get this book. This is so freaking good. I, Thank you. Because seriously, as you were describing Cinderella early on, you know, she's the COO, she's getting stuff done, but she's also leading the mice and the birds and getting them to do this because of joy, not just for the cheese and the bird seed. Like already, I'm sure the the badass crew that's listening right now is going, okay, yes, that is some serious direct sales leadership right there. Like that in and of itself, that that 
bringing people on because initially when people get started in this industry, in this business, they're not making millions of dollars. They're not making hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're not even always making thousands of dollars. Sometimes the initial, my, my first paycheck in their direct sales industry, my first paycheck was $43. But let me tell you, I was so freaking proud of that $43 that still to this day, this is now 12 and a half years later, I still remember how much money I made on my first direct sales commission check. Even though as a teacher, I made a lot more than that on every check. It was, this was my money, my work, my thing. And so just keep in mind people that we're selling the potential of doing what we want, when we want, that time freedom, that financial freedom, but it's starting with the birdseed and the cheese. And working up to all this. I think about that and specifically with your listeners, you don't know whether somebody wants birdseed or cheese unless you ask them. You don't know if, like, I talk a lot about ambitions, ambitions and leadership and the kind of the intersection of ambitions, leadership and potential, right? Because we tend to really understand why we are like what motivates us and what we are ambitious for and so often we'll actually put that feeling or emotion on some onto somebody else and it's not always true it's just not always true like what some one person is ambitious for is completely different again i come back to the cinderella story like the story we've all been told is that cinderella's ambition was to you know marry the prince and live happily ever after which which is why we all kind of go there's not like that seems a bit vacuous yeah whereas i sit here and say actually read the book with her ambition was to spread goodness and kindness at scale and you're like oh hang on a second very different story and so as people are thinking and listening to this and going oh i kind of like that nugget and i kind of like this other nugget and i maybe i'll read the book and learn more about all of this sort of stuff i really challenge people to go to people who are working with you and say, you know, I just listened to this crazy lady the other day who was going on about potential and ambitions. And I want to make sure I'm not assuming what your ambitions are. And so can we like find time to grab a coffee? Because I'd love to understand what future you want for yourself. Now, I caution you at the same time, we have been brainwashed as a society, mm-hmm. that your ambitions are always up and to the right. And that is not always true. And, and I say we're brainwashed on that is we're often told that's what we should say to the people we work with, because that's what you're supposed to say. Yeah. And I come back and say, like, actually, ambitions are as unique as the fin- fingerprint. And mm-hmm. so as you're having a conversation, you know, instead of just coming back with, the, oh, my ambition is to make a lot of money. I'd ask the why, like, why, like what happens with this that facilitates the future you want? Is it, is it because you want to get a home? Is it because you want to put a kid through college? Is it because you like the Louboutin shoes? Like whatever it is. Right. Or is it actually not about money at all? Is it something completely different? And, you know, I've had so many conversations with ambition, about ambitions with people and I'm genuinely surprised if you are cu- genuinely curious 
and not assumptive about what some of them's ambitions are. They will tell you all sorts of things. And the process of helping somebody think through what do they want for their future with no judgment and no assumption is one of the most empowering conversations you can have with somebody because their head kind of explodes a tiny bit, which is super fun. Oh, yeah, I 100% agree because this was what I did with my team members. I mean, that's literally how my team hit number one in the world, how my team hit number three in the world, because I was having those conversations with my team members. When I had leaders who were in other parts of the country, other parts of the world going, how did you do that? I said, I talked with my team, question mark. About what they want. And I said, what is the future they want? yeah, Yeah. And just got them to work towards that. Whether it was they wanted to make $250 a month to pay their car note, each month and that's all they wanted fine do Wait. 250 a month in commissions so that yeah. you could pay your car note so you could pay you know that and it, the the power behind that and i still to this day as a coach do that because i'm asking people what they want why what are we working towards you know because right. me as your coach it's my job to help you work towards your vision i don't freaking care what it is but i can't guide you there. I can't be the Sherpa. I can't be the tour guide. I can't be the GPS that keeps redirecting you back on the road. I don't know where you're freaking going. Right. And I would 100% agree that it that it blows their mind. And it is one of the most connecting conversations you will have with your team member because they yeah. will finally be feel seen, heard and understood. <laughs> because you know where they want to go without judgment, without saying, well, don't you want that? Don't. Yeah. No. What do you I want? I talk about, like, when I, when I talk to leaders about this a lot, I sit here and I go, like, Google Maps has given you the framework. Google Maps sits here and says, what's your start point? What's your destination? And then you hit the directions button. Boom. <laughs> and and it's, all, it's all three elements. And you can't hit the directions button until you've got a start point and an end point. And if mm-hmm. you're clear about those two things, and you both agree that those are those two things, then you can get directions to anywhere. Exactly. And what I think is really fun, too, is there's another nice little analogy in the middle of all of that, because Google Maps, Apple Maps, Waze, whatever GPS system you're using, oftentimes will also go, hey, by the way, I found three different... I found three different ways to get there. There's the short route, the long route. There's the scenic route where we can really go out in the country if you want. Are you driving? Are you on a bicycle? Do you want to walk? Exactly. And so avoid tolls. I could could write a whole book on this analogy now. Right. There you go. You're welcome, Joanna. All I expect is just the the thank you and the acknowledgement. Okay. (laughs) But seriously, just because there are different ways to get there, and especially in direct sales, because there are companies where you can get from point A to point B just by doing sales without having to grow a team, without having to deal with leadership or anything like that. But of course, the faster route is to grow a team, lead the team to get what they want, and then you get there faster because now you've got all these people on the same ship rowing the boat in the same direction because they're all trying to get towards their goal. And you guys all have this vision together as a team and then boom there you go it's oh joanne this is probably the juiciest conversation i've had (laughs) in three and a half years oh my gosh y'all this is phenomenal i joe grifford thank you thank you i'm calling you out again sir i love you she is fabulous 
<laughs> so, so Joanna, now with all of this, and we don't want to give away all the stuff in the book because, of course, we want people to actually like go buy the book and read it. And I promise you all, I'm going to be doing so. We also have, in addition to this, you have a wonderful gift for the badass crew, which includes the discovery experiments. Oh, yes. Yes. I was like, oh, goodness. I could remember. What did this. I give? <laughs> no, you didn't give anything away. Yeah. So I am hang around me for any more than like two seconds and you will find I'm slightly an action oriented individual. Uh, <laughs> I, as somebody who's had the opportunity to see lots of amazing speakers talk about all sorts of amazing things, I'm all like, okay, now what? So as I mentioned in the book, like I talk about fairy tale land, land and then I talk about the real world. In the book, and then now because you're listening to the show, you're going to get to find out about it anyway. You don't need to buy the book. If you go to talesofpotential.com and look on the discovery experiments, we created 13 different experiments that you can run yourself or you can have your kids run or you can have anybody around you run. But little baby experiments that take like five minutes that are designed to help you explore this idea and give you really tactical like, do this, do this, do this, and here's the results you should be looking for, and here's some positive results, and here's some things where you might, me, might need to go, oh, hang on a second, we need to think about this again. And then if you're like, oh, hang on a second, I need to take this to the next level, please reach out and we will help you do that, of course. But they're really like little ways of easing people into the idea of thinking about your tale of potential and how you tell it for yourself. And they're really simple and super fun and specifically written for leaders who want to have conversations with their people. Because I was like, the sooner we can get more people talking about this thing, the better. Oh, yeah. So, of course, we've been talking about the book, the book of the book. By the way, the name of the book is Tales of Potential, correct? But, okay. Yes. Tales of Potential, the Cinderella story you didn't hear. But yeah. <sighs> And you can go to talesofpotential.com. We've like all of the things are there. You can find it all and get some ideas on on everything. Bam. Get your sparkle on. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, because here's the thing. And because what came up when you were talking about running all these experiments and the the leadership piece of it. Right. Because you and I were talking about beforehand, you know, before we hit record in the pre-interview about what are some of the pain points that my audience experiences. And one of them is I can't get my team to do anything. Guys, if you can't get your team to do anything, read the freaking book because she's going to talk about the things that Cinderella does to inspire her team of mice and birds, yeah. right? So you can begin to think about how do I inspire my team instead of yeah. push? Because we have a team of volunteer. We have a volunteer army. We can't make them do anything. We can't fire them. Right. But then the other pain point are the people who go, I don't see myself as a leader. So I don't know how. So I'm not going to recruit because I can't. I'm, I'm not a leader. And I'm like, OK, do you have children? Yes, you are a leader. Yeah. You are a leader of little tiny humans who are maybe yeah. middle, you know, tweens or even teens by now. You have led them to stay alive and yeah. become better human beings the to this point. toddlers are the most rational customers on the planet. You, <laughs> you have managed to live through toddlerhood. You got all, you can do this. Yes. And, and what I would actually say is, like, this is why I actually think, sorry, fellas, I actually think women are better at this than men. Not that men are bad, but I think women have a superpower 
is because you've had so much practice with your irrational toddlers because you understand as a, well, actually, my guess is the guys do too. Here I am being, I'm being sexist in the opposite direction for a change. Ooh, I just see more women do it. But I see every mom on the planet, I see having conversations with a completely irrational customer. And it's not about, I'm going to force you to do a thing because you'll end up with tantrums and screaming on the floor. It's actually getting in their head and understanding how to speak to them at their level and their understanding. And it's not a selfish and manipulative thing. Not if it's like you could be, not if it's done well. Like you know that you get the best results when it's actually an incredibly generous thing. Mm-hmm. And your kids respond to the generous version of that. And so does everybody else. We're basically we're all toddlers. And if we just remembered that would be much better. Oh yeah. I I've said for years, adults are just kids. At at a variety of ages, right, depending on wherever our growth got stunted, our emotional growth, wherever we got stunted, we are all walking around at whatever age that is. You just have to figure out what age other people are at to know how to interact with them and then help them begin to build and grow. Yes. And I'm going to push back a tiny bit on that because I see here and I go, it depends. And this is coming back to your comment earlier. And I wanted to feed to this around. How do you get people who aren't required to do a thing to do a thing? Right. And I'm going to tap back into the world of startups and technology that I came from, because this is a lot of why I do the work that I do, because I sat here and said, like, I spent 20 something years selling and explaining products that people had literally never seen in their life before. Like, <laughs> I like 1995, I was out selling websites to small to medium-sized business owners and they'd look at me and go what do you what is this internet word you are saying like completely i had to draw with colored pencils and what have you it was completely insane and the thing that became a mantra to how i led people teams whoever to a new future which is what my job was was i would look out there and go okay I've got a bit of a future that you can come play with over here. Who wants to come play in this new future? And those folks were the early adopters. And I'd be like, awesome, you want to play with this? What do you think about it? I'd ask all sorts of questions. I get lots and lots of feedback because the early adopters are the people who go, I want to play with it because it's new. Yeah. Then I'd say, oh, hey, so early adopters, can you help me create the materials why the next group of people, aka the early majority, can then have examples of how it worked for you. Mm -hmm. And so then we would have the early adopters share that with the early majority. Now, the early adopters at that point would be like, peace out, I need a new thing. And I'd be like, not a problem, I'll go get you a new thing. Um, But then we'd then talk to the early adopters who won't do a thing until they've seen proof. And I have all of my early majority people creating proof all day, and they're like, oh, okay, I'll do this now. So then you have your early majority then the late majority that you then say, okay, there should be enough of you because it's a big bell curve mm-hmm. that have the late majority say, oh, hang on a second. Bobby down the street is doing this. I should totally do this too. And it's really kind of like FOMO, right? Oh God, everybody else is doing this. I have to do this too. Yeah. And then last but not least, and do note, they are not bad. They just opt in differently. You then have what are, I think, rudely called the laggards, who are the people who are like, eh, I don't care what you're doing. I'm going to do the things the way that I want to do them, and that's fine. If you try to 
implement a new idea, a new strategy, a new system, a new process, a new anything to the early adopters and the laggards at the same time, I guarantee you it will be a train wreck. It will be mm. complete utter disaster because they will all piss each other off and nothing will happen because the early adopters will not feel special and the laggards will feel forced. And I sit here and I go, like they all teach each other that tale of potential down the line. So invite people to play. And those are your early adopters. Then in help them help you get the early majority because the early majority want to say, well, you know, we were the smart ones. Then the late majority will come in and say, oh, hang on a second. I want to not be on this bandwagon. And then have like a real conversation with your laggards because you might find that they're not opting in for a really valid reason. And maybe they need a completely different path. And maybe, just maybe, they're an early adopter in a different way. Oh, I yeah, I agree. Nobody, nobody is broken. We all just choose no. in a different way. Exactly. And and I don't think there's anything wrong with the laggards because what's interesting too is sometimes it's a matter of because I was thinking to myself, okay, what would I call myself? And I'm I would say I'm damn near probably close to bleeding edge, leading edge, right. early adopter, in many cases, early majority, right? Because yep. but it just depends on what's being presented to me. Yeah. Right. Well, but that's the point. Like what's an example? I am, I'm a chronic early adopter in when it comes to technology. Like, if you want to have a separate show on AI, ChatGPT, 3D printing, um, machine learning, blah, 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 blah. Right. I, I'm obsessed with it all. I play with it all. I'm obsessed with it all. I've been a super nerd my entire life. Love it, love it, love it. And um, I am fascinated by how technology is going to change the world. I'm a huge tech optimist understand how it works so it allows me to have that conversation right. um it usually takes me two to three years to buy a new couch <laughs> on average and i will know i'll be like i'm in the early stages of the couch purchasing process because my current couch is a little tired and needs replacing but like my husband laughs at me because he's like oh so it's going to be like 2025 before we actually get a couch and i'm like yep because mm -hmm. it takes me long it take a very long time to make a decision about a couch Interesting. Right. So it just depends on what it is. And I think it's so funny because a huge lag when it comes to furniture. And th and that's OK, because, it, you know, we're all going to have the things where we're we're early and, and late on whatever. And that's fine. Right. It, and I, I think it's funny, too, because, you know, I, I just recently came back a, a few weeks ago from the marketers cruise and every single day chat GPT was brought up in a conversation. Every single day. Now, keep in mind, y'all, ChatGPT had just been released to the public four weeks before, right? And now here I am a few weeks later and they've just released ChatGPT 4. So you guys are all like, wait, what's that? There's so, another one. It, yeah. So and, and there, it's not all the AI that's out there, but I'm sure there are some people in my audience now who are listening going, wait, what did she say? Chat chat letters after it they and so they've never even heard of it so they're they're considered probably early majority late majority at this point because i mean chat gpt came in and within hours had a million users loaded it exploded with people playing with it because they're like "Ooh, what's this this is pretty cool and then it just like wildfire on the internet went viral and when just a 
few months, few days before nobody would even recognize that AI was that far along. But I think in the world of direct sales and network marketing, it's been around for decades, right? The industry has been around for decades, right? But there's still so many people who are just now hearing about this company or this product being op- offered. And so you're going to have to find where people are, you know, the, it, to take this to the direct sales model and the network marketing model. Yep. Where are they on that? Are they bleeding edge, leading edge, you know, early adopter, early majority, late majority? <laughs> and they may feel like late majority to you because you're like, I'm here. I, I don't feel like I'm an early adopter, but you're before them. <laughs> right. right. So, Joanna, this has been amazing. Oh, Thank my you. gosh. I, I feel like I could do another whole episode with you on even more. But I am so grateful to you for sharing some of your content, your wisdom and experience. This has been phenomenal. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I, you know, I, for your listeners, every single one of you has a tale of potential worth telling. And it's just getting out and sharing that because that's actually what people want from you. Absolutely. And I'm just, I'm not going to ruin that by saying anything else. That was phenomenal. The end. The end. (laughs) And we all live happily ever after. That's how I should end all of my shows now. Oh, (laughs) yes. Yes. I love it. Oh my gosh. And we all lived happily ever after. This is phenomenal. So, you know, Badass Crew, you know, if this is not your first time, how to get to the show notes so that you can connect with Joanna on LinkedIn. And you can also go check out, we've got the link to her page and the link where you can go get her book. And if this is your first time listening to the show, if you just happen to find my show because you're a fan of Joanna's and you're following us and going, wait, show notes, what are show notes? All you have to do, grab your phone, click on today's episode, scroll up, and you will find the show notes there with all the information, all of Joanna's contacts, where you can reach out to her through LinkedIn, through, it. I think, Instagram, right? You have an Instagram as well, or no? Yes. LinkedIn's the best place because it is the best. A professional world. LinkedIn's the best place. Absolutely. So connect with her there and go check out the book because, guys, I'm going to be reading it. Heck, maybe we'll book club this or something. I don't know. The first badass book club will be around tales of potential. I'm in. So, Joanna, again, thank you so much. And Badass Crew, you know how this goes. Stay tuned because there is another badass episode on its way. Thanks for listening to the Badass Direct Sales Mastery Podcast with your direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger. Why are you waiting to go to BadassDirectSalesMastery.com? Don't make the dom get her whip. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with another rock star that you know in direct sales after you subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. You can also check out the show notes for links and any contact information mentioned in today's episode. We'll see you next time.